You're listening to Kidney Conversations, a podcast from the Kidney Foundation of Western New York. We talk about kidney health and share stories to inspire and educate our community. I'm Jeremy Morlock from the Kidney Foundation of Western New York. Our guest today is... Tanisha Adams. Tanisha, what caused your kidney health problems? Uh, when, when were you diagnosed? Um, I was actually diagnosed in 2018. And for me, it was diabetes. I've had okay. diabetes. I was about 19, 20. Did it come as a surprise to you when you developed kidney disease or, or was that something you had thought of as a possibility? Honestly, I had never thought about it, never really heard much about it. Honestly, yeah, it was definitely a shocker. <laughs> Not what expecting to hear. Yeah. What did you think when you got the diagnosis of kidney disease? Well, I had gone in initially because I was just having swelling in my ankles and feet that wouldn't go down. That was pretty much the only thing that I had going on. So I went in, they gave me a water pill, told me if that didn't work to come back. I went back. In between, I did some blood work, and that's when they found out I was actually in stage three. I was shocked. Like, I don't know what I was expecting to hear, but it just wasn't kidney failure. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a surprise. And yeah. when did you start thinking about a transplant or start talking with your your medical team about a transplant? Once I found out, I had to get a nephrologist and he actually does a class in his office that like discusses your options and different types of dialysis if it goes there and if you want to do transplant. He immediately wanted to talk about transplant though. And what did you think when it seemed like that was a path you'd likely be going down? It was scary. You know, you hear all kinds of numbers and it was just scary. I'm like, what if I don't get a kidney? And then it's like, oh, I'm going to end up on dialysis. And then it's like, it's just a whole lot of what if you're just really unsure where anything is going, honestly. Had you known anybody who'd received a transplant or or people who were on dialysis? I knew a couple of people that had done dialysis. One of my uncles was on dialysis and things like that. But to be honest, I never thought about what it actually meant, what goes into it either. So yeah, it wasn't until all of this came up that I started researching and realizing how serious it was. What was that process of getting worked up for the transplant? It's, it's a lot. It's a whole lot. There's classes you have to take. You have to make sure you have a support system in place. There's a ton of testing, blood work, things like that, even down to like dental work that you have to have done before they can talk about you and present you and basically decide if they want to put you on the list or not. And you were worked up for uh, ECMC? ECMC, yeah. How long did you wait between doing that whole workup and actually receiving the transplant? It was about 10 months, actually. Um, it was I was right at that point where they were calling to because you have to do the testing and all of that every year. So they were calling to make the appointments to like start the rounds of testing and blood work and x-rays and all that stuff again. And then I got a call like the Sunday before I was going in for that appointment. I know you were proactive. You had a support system. You were working to get the word out. I started off by finding groups online. Mm -hmm. That's where I actually found the foundation. <laughs> and I joined a website called Kidney Connection. And that's where like, uh, you can post your pictures and your story and try to find living donors and things like that. But honestly, I was spreading the word any way I could on social media. Yeah. 
spreading it all around. I did have a, a benefit, so things got out that way. I was out there. That's hard for people, but it is such an important thing too. Thank you for doing this interview because I, I think, you know, kidney disease people don't necessarily know it exists until they know somebody who's affected. They don't know their risks. And then for transplant, a lot of times people don't realize how great the need is. You yeah. know, you sharing your story is really beneficial to the whole community. Yeah. A lot of people like being diabetic, having high blood pressure, they don't realize that also increases your risk. So it's important that you keep up on everything. Can you tell me about actually receiving the transplant and your recovery after that? I was doing dialysis. I was on dialysis for four months. I was doing peritoneal. So I did it every night at home. I'd had a rough night. There were alarms that kept going off. I didn't know what was going on. I was trying to figure it out. I'm hooked up to tubes. My best friend came over to bring me breakfast because I had talked to her and told her about my night. And ECMC calls periodically just to make sure all your contact information is the same. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to her and I realized that I missed a phone call. I was like, oh, but they were probably just calling to verify my information. And she was like, dude, not on a Sunday. <laughs> and I was ah, like, good point. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I called back and they were like, I think we have a kidney for you. So I go in Sunday. They said the kidney was being flown in. They don't tell you from where or anything like that. I waited all of Sunday for them to do further testing and stuff on the kidney. And early, early Monday morning, they were like, you ready to go downstairs? And I'm like, oh, do I have to get another x-ray or something? And they're like, no, you're getting a transplant. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. The recovery for me was a bit hard. It was pain. I personally had some issues with my incision where there was a lot of drainage that built up under it oh, okay. that couldn't escape. So they had to remove some of my staples. The hardest thing was probably getting regulated with the medication. I had a lot of GI issues and <laughs> tremors and all kinds of things that were going on while I was getting acclimated. So yeah, it was quite the process even post-transplant and getting, like you said, acclimated. Yeah, definitely. If you don't mind me jumping back a, a little bit, you said you were on peritoneal dialysis. Can you say why you chose peritoneal versus hemodialysis and what your experience was like? For me with the peritoneal dialysis, I chose that one because it seemed like the easiest one to do and still work. You use like a cycler that can do it automatically for you or you do it manually. So for me, that was the better option with me working at the time. How has your life changed in the time since you received your transplant? Quite a bit. It's almost like it's like I'm back to normal, like pre-transplant status. But there's still things daily that I have to do now that I didn't have to do before, like all the medication. I still have to go get blood work done every month. Mm -hmm. It's just things like that. When exactly was your transplant? February 17th of 2020, right. So right before the pandemic really started. So you've had a couple of years now, which is, which is great. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who's considering receiving a transplant, somebody who's in the same position that you were at three years ago or so? Basically, do your research, ask all your questions. You have to be an advocate for yourself. So just 
make sure that you know, like as much as you can about what's going to be happening, the process, the recovery, the medication, everything. It's a big thing. It's a big part of your life. It's a big change. So the more you know, the better. I'm so glad you mentioned being an advocate for yourself because I think that's so important to people really at, at all stages of the journey with kidney disease. And it's it's a hard thing to do. It's it's hard to say, wait, no, this is this is me. This is how I'm feeling. You know, you're pushing back against the experts sometimes. Especially when you, you know, I didn't know that much about it. Like I knew what I had researched on my own, but yeah, I can still have questions and oh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I always recommend that people, if they're going to a medical meeting, have a list of written questions in advance and bring yeah. a notepad with you because it's it's hard. There's a lot to keep track of. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that was totally me. I always had a notebook. That was definitely me. But yeah, you just, it's going to be a journey, but you just have to be ready for it. Keep pushing through. Take it day to day. <laughs> How do you generally feel right now? With everybody, there's ups and downs, but there are like I still have days where I just don't feel well or I'm just tired. Mm-hmm. and things like that. But overall, the good days definitely outweigh the bad for me. Happy to hear that. What would you say to somebody who's considering becoming a living organ donor? I would say it's the same thing. Like, make sure you do your own research. A lot of people say a lot of things. and But, you know, make sure you're making a d- decision for you. That mm-hmm. is something you want. It is like a life-sustaining gift. People don't realize quite how uh, strenuous the testing is for living donors do. They want to make sure that the living donor is going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, definitely just try to know as much as you can about what you're getting into for yourself, honestly. Even as far as cover, like recovery, oh, yeah. financially, everything. We've hit most of my questions. Is there anything else that you think it would be important for other people to know the main thing is a lot of people tend to be comfortable just not knowing or ignoring health issues like just make sure that you're getting your regular checkups getting your blood work done that you know your kidney levels and numbers especially if you're diabetic or have high blood pressure i just feel like ignorance is not bliss (laughs) eventually you have to address it Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. No problem. Here's a Healthy Moments message from the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases. Did you know that people with long-term health problems such as diabetes have a higher risk of depression? Hi, I'm Dr. Griffin Rogers, Director of the National Institute of Diabetes, Digestive and Kidney Diseases at NIH. My colleague, Dr. Joshua Gordon, Director of the National Institute of Mental Health at NIH, explains. Having a long-term illness can affect your life in many ways. Temporary feelings of sadness can be normal and expected. You may face limits on what you can do and feel upset or anxious thinking about the future. But if you feel sad, irritable, or very tired for longer than a few weeks, and it's causing problems with sleep, your work, or relationships, that may be depression, and it may continue even as your physical health improves. Don't dismiss depression. Treatment is available and can help even if you have another health problem. Talk to your doctor and explore treatment options. For more information on chronic illness and depression, follow us at NIDDKGov. This is Dr. Griffin Rogers.
The Kidney Foundation of Western New York is dedicated to increasing awareness and improving the lives of those with kidney disease. You can find out more by visiting our website at www.kfwny.org. We're on facebook.com slash kfwny and on Twitter and Instagram at kidneyfoundwny. We're looking for stories of healing, transplantation, donation, and more here in Western New York. If you have a kidney story to share, email jmorlock at kfwny.org.